Welcome to Word on the Street Investment Insights, a podcast from Barclays UK where we delve into the world of fund managers to help ordinary investors understand a bit more about the professionals who are managing their investments. This week, we talked to Marcus morris Iton from Allianz Global Investors on how he and his team research companies. He explains to us what they look for in a business and how that leads to him deciding whether to invest in that company or not. To find out about starting your investing journey with Barclays, visit barclays.co.uk forward slash investments. Hello, welcome to this investment insight session where I'll hopefully be able to peel away at the surface of the fund management industry to take a look at what goes on in greater detail. In particular today, I want to look at how fund managers and their teams conduct research on companies. My name is Mike Haslam. I sit within the funds team at Barclays. And today I am joined by Marcus morris Iton from Allianz Global Investors. Uh, thank you very much, Marcus, for joining us today. Thanks, Mike. I've seen you on CNBC uh, and Bloomberg, so I certainly know that you know your stuff and you can explain these sort of things really well. Um, no pressure. Just introduce... <laughs> So just to introduce where you are, you sit within the equities team, don't you? Is, is it within the European equities team, I understand? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a, I'm a European equity portfolio manager at Allianz Global Investors. Um, and I split, at least when COVID allows, my time between, between London and Frankfurt. Um, but actually, as we'll probably discuss, spend quite a bit of time on the road visiting the various companies that we're either investing in or, or looking at investing in. Okay, right. So... Where do we start here? What I really want to understand here is how do you research companies? So what do you do? How do you do it? Maybe even where your, where your ideas come from. But actually, let's assume that you have an idea. Okay. What is your first step? Once you've got that idea and you're thinking, hmm, this looks interesting, where do you go first? What do you do? Well, it's a big question. And there's no right or wrong way to, to research a company. And actually, there are, there are many different approaches. What we try and do, though, is, is really meet the management teams regularly. And that can be done either at our offices, and we're very lucky with our size that we get quite good management access, but also by traveling to, to conferences, doing some of their capital markets days. And actually, some of the most insightful conversations you have are, are when you go and visit the company at their location, and you can actually spend a full day immersed within that company um, and visit the various, various factories and often see the second and third layer of management down, which you never really get to do because they come on the road much less frequently than, than the C-suite. So hang on a minute. So when you're saying the second or third layer of management, I always assume that when I hear about fund managers meeting company management, you go and meet what the um, chief exec, etc. Who are the, who else do you meet? Exactly. So so 90% of the time, our meetings are either with the CEO, CFO, or often an investor relations team. But actually, if you if you go to their locations, you've got a much better chance of meeting the head of a particular geography or a head of a particular product range or, or head of distribution, for example. And often these are the people that are, are making the decisions on a day-to-day basis. And there, when you are in those companies' locations, you can get a much better insight into the, into the culture of a company and actually how it works, but when you can see the production lines, for example. So it's, it's a very different conversation to what you have in a, a nice, glamorous meeting room. Yeah, okay. I hear the term kicking the tires. I guess that's, is that kind of what's looking at the operations, as you say, the production line, seeing how everything is rolling off the end? Absolutely. Yeah. So when you talk about meeting the management, do they welcome investment companies? You know, are they, is it a kind of open invitation? Yes and no. I think management are generally, generally quite welcoming of investors when they want to come and see them. Particularly many newer companies are are generally quite proud to show off, show off their facilities and show you the culture uh, and the progress they're making. 
where they have to be a little bit careful and, and where we also urge them to be a little bit careful is making sure that the majority of their time is spent running the business. Ultimately, they are chief executives or, or CFOs of an organization. So the bulk of their time should be spent driving that business forward rather than meeting us too often. So they've got to, they've got to find a, 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 health, a healthy balance. Um, and I think most, most companies are pretty good at doing that. And that's where the, the investor relations team often step in and take some of the burden off them. So that's a dedicated team at each company, is it? Exactly, yeah. And what do you get out of these meetings? What is it exactly that you ask? And what are you looking for by meeting the management face-to-face, look at, looking at them in the eye, I guess? Well, I think it might be helpful to understand how we invest. And we're, we're probably slightly different from many, many investors out there in that we take a very long-term approach. So we're typically looking to buy a company not for the next couple of months, but actually for the next five or 10 years. And when you're making a decision over that time frame, you need to have a really good understanding of, of what differentiates that company. What are its relative strengths or weaknesses? Uh, how strong any barriers to entry that might be in place? And also whether they have a competitive advantage and how that can be protected from competition. Because, because inevitably, High growth, high quality companies will attract competition. And so these companies need to have good barriers to entry in place to defend them. Um, so those are all the types of aspects we're trying to understand. Really, what differentiates this company? What makes it special? And can that continue for the, for the next five to 10 years? Okay, so does this mean then that, so you talk about competitors in terms of having a competitive advantage and barriers to entry to an industry. Does this mean then I assume that Let's say, for example, you are looking at a supermarket, but you then have to analyze all the supermarkets in the industry to understand where they all sit and what differentiates a particular company. Yeah, I think you'll always try and speak to some of their competitors. And actually, a lot of the meetings we do aren't always necessarily with companies that we're necessarily interested in investing in. So, for example, if we were interested in a supermarket, and not that we own any, we would be interested in meeting their peers. Uh, we would be interested in meeting some of their suppliers. We would tr- probably tr- be trying to interview some of their customers to understand why they prefer supermarket A over supermarket B. That helps you build up that holist- holistic view of the industry and actually the competitive framework w- within that industry. Uh, and we're very lucky at Allianz Global Investors. Uh, we have an in-house research network called Grassroots. And Grassroots is a, f- a team of reporters that we have that, that we commission to go and interview the customers of a particular business. So for example, to use your supermarket case, we would be interviewing hundreds or thousands of, uh, of supermarket shoppers to try and understand why they shop at supermarket A over supermarket B, what would make them change, and actually their, their view on the business as a whole. That's fascinating. I've never heard of anything such as that. So that, I guess, is part of being, that is an advantage, I guess, of being a large, large organization such as, such as Allianz. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're very lucky that we have a huge amount of, of tools that make our, make our job easier. Okay, so that's an example of research that you conduct. What other sources of information do you use? I think I, I, I mentioned how we're frequently in touch with companies, but also their suppliers, their competitors, but also looking at annual reports, their historic accounts, seeing how the company has performed over various business cycles. And again, that slightly differentiates us from some investors because particularly in the, in the growth space, many companies will perform very well for a couple of years. But what's interesting for us is, is really whether that growth is repeatable over and beyond investment cycles um, when the macroeconomic conditions change. Uh, and that's really why we look at the, the competitive positioning of that business, but also their historical track record and how management have been able to execute on, on their plans. Because inevitably, you will get some businesses who do 
do very well. But the, the question is, is that sustainable? It sounds like there is a, a lot of analytical work that goes on here. Just to get an idea of the, the team. So I assume it's not just yourself there, Mark. It's, it's made up of a, a team of what, global equity analysts? Yeah, exactly. So we, we've got a team of well, teams within teams as such. Um, so we have a, a large team of about 15 portfolio managers in our dedicated growth team. But then we have a wider team of, of other portfolio managers, which are spread across the globe and analysts who have that deep sector expertise. So we've, we're very lucky, as said, to be able to draw on a huge number of resources, many of whom have got much, much more ex- expertise in a particular sector than we have. So we're constantly using these people as, as discussion partners. So what about changing markets? What about, so if you look at 2020 as an example, you know, an incredible year where market dynamics are changing um, um, caused by, you know, as a result of the global pandemic. So how does the team deal with change when it happens on that scale? I guess it's, I guess, you know, how do you, how do you pick up opportunities as well? Yeah, I think the key is really to try and ignore as much of the, the day-to-day noise as you can and really focus on what matters over, over the long term. Because invariably markets tend to overreact in, in the short term and probably undervalue long-term moves. So 2020, as you rightly say, was, was an exceptional year. You had the co- initial COVID reaction in, in Q1. But COVID, I think, was something that's probably accentuated the gap between winners and losers in various sectors at a pace that we've never really seen before. Um, and something we recognised in the team was actually the importance of companies that have invested in their digital capabilities. Because companies that had invested in that digital infrastructure were able to take market share and actually launch new products, etc. Um, while many of their, their weaker peers were, were fighting to stay alive at that time. So, so COVID was actually probably a market share opportunity, uh, unlike any other, for those better run, better capitalized, digital, digitally minded companies. And then, of course, when we had the vaccine late, later in the year, some, some of that reversed. But ultimately, these are trends, these are trends that will last much beyond the vaccine. So it's important to really focus on what matters, as said, not for the next six months, but for the next five to 10 years. Coming back to the, um, um, to the company meetings, I'm fascinated by, you know, kind of uh, imagining you sitting down with the uh, board of companies. Could you, could you give us an example maybe of a company that maybe you own or have owned in the past where you've, you know, and, and talk through some of the, um, uh, talk some, maybe some of the analysis, but in, in particular, some of the, some of the board meetings or the management meetings. Yeah, um, so a good example might be an airline stock that we used to own and actually no longer own. And, and as ever with the airline sector, it was quite a, quite a volatile trading period. And during, during our, the time we owned the stock, there were a couple of, of trade union strikes and, the, and negotiations. Um, and so rather than just simply meeting the, the management team every quarter l- like we did, we had to take our research slightly further. So we were in regular dialogue with, with some of the trade unions, some of the competitors, um, and actually industry experts to understand, A, the trade union's grievances, B, how management were approaching those, those conversations in order to understand whether, whether some common ground could be found. Because ultimately, issues like that are not good for anyone, whether it's, whether it's the company, its reputation, or, or, or us as investors. So in, in the ESG world that we live in today, we're increasingly vocal um, in making sure that our companies do the right thing for, for employees, but also the business and us as, as shareholders. So we will communicate with, with both the management teams, but also the boards of these respective companies 
if and where we feel that's necessary to do so. I was going to ask you the final question. Do you enjoy what you do? But it's, it's pretty obvious from the way that you talk, talk about it. It sounds like, you know, an, a fascinating job. Yeah, we're very lucky. We, we get paid to learn. Um, and actually, we, we're exposed to some of the greatest minds. I mean, we're constantly meeting hugely interesting people who have been very successful and actually launched exciting companies that generally have quite a, quite ambitious plans. So I think it's important not to take it for granted. And of course, you have good days and bad days. But it is really quite a fascinating job. And we're definitely, definitely very lucky to do it. Brilliant, Marcus. Thank you very much for your time today. Really appreciate it. As I say, fascinating insight into what goes on in terms of company research within the fund management industry and at Allianz Global Investors. And it's certainly something that I couldn't do myself. So thanks again for your time today. Appreciate it. All investments can fall as well as rise in value, and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.